Huh, that's a funny looking cigarette. You roll it yourself? How's it going, everybody? Uh, it is Justin Schwartz with my good pal, Ryan Graff, bringing it in. What's up, the, everyone? The next episode of I Tell You What. Um, what's going on, man? We're, uh, we're recording this on a, on a fine Sunday evening. How, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, didn't manage my time as well as I wanted to this morning, but I got back from a work trip yesterday and uh, just slept through all my alarms. So that's that's how we run this podcast. Like I was saying over text, man, it's it's fast and loose. We're not putting things out on a single day. Uh, we're we're both just fucking up against the grind, uh, trying to do something fun and, and put out some content. You know, it's, this is literally the pirate radio of podcasts. We do <laughs> just trying to disrupt the. Uh, the normalcy of most uh, audio mediums exactly we're uh we're taking it to the airwaves brothers yeah um, we uh really took all of willie nelson's wisdom from uh hank's got the willies to heart and now we're just running from the irs and everything <laughs> so uh anything new with you you've just been working yeah just been working spent some time in uh tucson arizona it was pretty cool oh, it was cool. uh a fun time actually I do have a pretty interesting story. So I was uh, in Tucson, but I had a job up in Scottsdale, which is the very wealthy part of Phoenix, Arizona. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's about a two and a half hour drive. I had to be there at eight. So I got up at 530, started driving up there. um, And when I arrive, my client's office was the lights were on and the door was unlocked. So I knocked a couple times, thought they were in the back. So I just opened the unlocked door, stand there for about five seconds, and then the alarm starts blaring. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, fuck. And that I'm about to walk out, and then I'm like, shit, it's probably going to call the cops. So I'm just sitting there like an idiot, standing in front of this plastic surgeon's office, <laughs> like just like my tripod and my backpack on. And after like... 15 minutes, which Scottsdale, I'm, I'm not even going to give them pointers, but cop, cop showed up after 15 minutes. I had to give a statement to the police about why I was there. It was pretty obvious I wasn't breaking and entering. I had like yeah. all my camera equipment and shit, but, <clears throat> and then my client showed up and tried to laugh it off as the whole, or the whole time, even though she was later than the police were to getting to what was her medical practice being broken into. Yeah. And it was just the, uh, the, why was she leaving upper, it unlocked? The, the upper class privilege that was shown to me in a 20 minute period was fucking insane. Yeah, dude, that's real shitty. I'm, I mean, it's a good story, but, uh, I'm sorry that it happened the, to you, man. I mean, it was like the first time or I don't know, man. So in, the job that I have going all over and stuff, 
I've seen some weird shit and talked to weird people, but that is the first time that I've ever had to talk to the police for something that wasn't my fault. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, thank, thank goodness uh, you're not black or you would have just gotten lit up on the spot in a, in a rich area of DNA. Dude, I, I dude, it was weird, man. It was I. Yeah, and that that's why I was so originally angry at the client for laughing at it. I'm like, that could have been very fucking serious, you know. Like, it's obvious yeah, totally. that you've never really had to deal with like the police, fucking unnamed plastic surgeon of Scottsdale, Arizona. But <laughs> yeah, and I, I guess real talk, you you do look in, inconspicuous. Like it, it is. Uh... It is, you know, I mean, it's it's not good that, you know, that kind of privilege exists, but it is it is good. You didn't get hurt like that could have gone, you know, much more poorly, you know. Oh, yeah. So, no, fuck that it's... client. They should be giving you hazard pay. Yeah, that would be cool. Instead, they showed up late and then made me do the whole shoot in like 15 minutes, which, you know what? You got a 15 minute shoot. Can you uh, can you like edit like a very small penis somewhere in there like photos or just like something like really uh kind of like a a way to stick it to them without them noticing you know i cannot confirm or deny what i have the ability (laughs) to edit into my clients photos are noted cool man cool (laughs) um anything about you man what's going on with you um not much uh just just my usual nerd shit um I'm playing a lot of games these days because because COVID stuff. Um, if I mean, if I can have like a five minute games corner, that would be rad because I haven't had a chance to talk about games on a podcast in a while. I know some of our audience get, might be into that. Yeah, let's get let's get Justin's five minute game jam going. OK, all right. Sick. So uh, I've been listening to the uh, Giant Bomb uh, Game of the Year series, which is like where they sit down for straight up like four or five days and like go through all their different like game of the year categories. They treat it extremely seriously, but they also treat it as a ridiculous exercise, which is like the perfect way to do that because like, how are you supposed to compare vastly different games? Um, But when they were going through their best music category, they were obviously playing a lot of tracks, just, you know, comparing games and they got to Hades and I forgot how much that game just like hit a chord with me uh when it got its full release out of early access i probably immediately dumped like 30 or 40 hours into it and uh could god the music in that game is is just chef's kiss uh fantastic i've i've had a lot of my friends tell me that that's like something i'd really enjoy and i just haven't gotten the chance or downloaded it yet but yeah, dude, not only is that, that game my game of the year, I mean, like, first off, yeah, absolutely best music of the year, uh, but also my game of the year. I think it should just be everybody's game of the year because, like, that game hits on every fucking mark. Um, just for, you know, for anyone who might not play games or might not know about it, it is a roguelike. So you are uh, constantly dying and, and replaying uh, in some cases, procedurally generated aspects of levels, uh, repeating certain boss fights, running different builds. It is like a top-down kind of hack and slashy. It's extremely similar to Bastion. If anybody's played that, it's it's actually done by the same studio, Supergiant. 
Um, yeah, it reminded me a lot of uh, Enter the Gungeon, which is a game that I love but am terrible at. Yeah. Um, yeah, like it's the best way I can describe any type of roguelite game is that if you don't like being frustrated, then you shouldn't play those games because the point of the game is to just die and keep dying until you finally figure out how to <laughs> get yeah, past the totally. next part. Yeah, totally. But here's the cool thing about Hades, though, is they, they're able to um, have you die in ways that feel often very fair. Like, you feel like you're learning as you go. And not okay. only that, you are progressing, like, a story that coincides with the mechanics of the game. So the premise of the game is you are playing Zagreus, uh, Hades' son, and you are trying to break out of hell. Um, and every time you die, you just like spawn back in hell or back in Hades, I guess, castle, house, whatever you want to call it. Um, and there's like different like dialogue trees. It's got a lot of like Greek gods in it that are trying to help you break out of hell. Uh, who are all related to the Hades family. It's It's got a lot of really cool Greek mythology, the art style. Like like I said, this game just hits on all fronts. The art style is like absolutely beautiful. The characters uh, that are the Greek gods are horny as hell in a way that is like not creepy, but like definitely... Uh, oh, I mean, it's true to form if it's anything about Greek mythology. All exactly, is... exactly. Um, but yeah, man, I don't know. It's just a really fun game. It, it ties together so well i think this is like absolutely super giants like magnus opum i don't know how they would ever follow this up in a, in a certain respect i feel bad for them that they have to because they're gonna keep making games uh but play Hades if you get a chance um i've also been dipping my toes and uh hunt the showdown uh i i played it a little bit in early access it is uh similar to like a battle royale but it's like got like kind of like a steampunky horror art style. Uh, basically, okay. I think it's like 15 players spawn onto a map and uh, all of the guns are like total shit. It's just like revolvers and like lever action rifles and stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. And the sights are all like muddy and gross and like everything is pretty hard to shoot. Uh, and basically it's it's kind of similar to escape from Tarkov if anybody's familiar with that game, but the goal of the game is to like fight like these horror themed bosses. There's like a really creepy spider and there's like this one thing called like uh, the assassin. That's like this cockroach monster. Uh, that and sounds you... pretty fucking, it sounds like a Franz Kafka battle Royale. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so you, you take down the boss on the map and there's, you know, there's players running around the whole time um and your goal is you have to like banish the boss so you basically have to wait a certain period of time uh while you're like extracting it and then you have to take these two bounties off of it and get to an extraction point on the map meanwhile to get to the boss there's like all of these like clues on the map and every time you pick up a clue it narrows the region on the map where the boss might be once you pick up three i think it tells you exactly where it is but um, okay I've been, I don't know, I've been really interested in the game for a while, but I just haven't had anyone to play it with. And I've had a couple of friends get into it recently. So it's been, uh, it's, it's been nice to like consistently play that because I've, I don't know, like I've said, I've been interested, but like to me, those are games that I can never play by myself. So it's been fun. Yeah. I mean, Thanks for I mean, my I uh, gaming a... talk, boys. 
Yeah, for sure. Anytime, because you just told me two games that I'll probably end up buying. Because that, at least the second one, sounds mad fun to play with a group. Yeah, then you shouldn't play play those games. Because, hell yeah. Also, if you ever want to watch us play uh, (laughs) Southern Fried Rye on Twitch, I'll stream that shit and you guys can check it out. But um, to segue into the actual meaty gut of I Tell You What, what do we got up first, Justin? So, yeah, season one, episode eight, Shins of the Father. This is definitely one contiguous recording and we did not or I did not uh, watch the incorrect episodes. This is there. There is no uh, production editing happening in the background. This was definitely recorded on the same day. So yeah, this is a footloose and fancy free podcast. We don't edit. What are you talking about? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Shins of the Father, man. I, I, I think this is a pretty good episode. Um, we get introduced to Cotton Hill. This is uh, another one of the tricky episodes because, you know, Cotton is definitely like a misogynistic kind of piece of shit a lot of the time. Um, I mean, there are sequences like where he is funny, and I think that can probably be attributed more to like good writing than him being a misogynistic asshole. Um, but it it is like kind of tough to go back to this. I, I mean, like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. What 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 are your I, thoughts? I think rewatching it, it was kind of like adding Cotton Hill to the actual show is such a great thing because it actually gives Hank's good side something to bounce off of, even though he's trying to be a good son and defend his father, but like. You'll like we'll talk about at the end of the episode. You kind of do see that Hank, like deep down, knows that he doesn't want to be like his father. He just wants to respect him, like he's supposed to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, in a certain sense, he's almost like the heel to Hank. You know, like he definitely exactly. does. I was does move Hank I was in the right direction. Say that exact <laughs> exact <laughs> thing. But um, so I guess we'll just get into the production notes real quick. Um, Hit me with him. All right. It was directed by uh, Martin Archer Jr. Um, he worked in mostly on The Simpsons and actually went with or um, was one of the directors for Rugrats for a while, but most recently has worked on uh, Rick and Morty, which I'm sure most of our That's listeners interesting. have seen. But um, I, I'm I'm not really smart enough to understand that show. I don't I don't get most of the jokes. I know I I struggle from a a very or a double digit IQ. So it really I really struggle sometimes. I, I know we have really dry voices, but uh, we're being we're being sarcastic here, people. We're we're not. I'm not. I my <laughs> IQ is in the low thirties. Um. <laughs> but uh so it was written by alan r cohen who had a, a long production or producing career with uh king of the hill he actually started with producing like 30 king of the hill episodes moved on to uh, um american dad for a long time and uh of the 15 episodes of king of the hill that he actually wrote the majority of them are actually cotton hill uh episodes which i thought 
the more that I research like the production side of the show, it's kind of funny how certain writers return to do certain character centric episodes Mm -hmm. like, uh, but yeah, so I believe that's about it. Um, Oh yeah. Alan Cohen and Alan Freeland, they're um, pretty much credited together. It wasn't just Alan Cohen. Um, they are writing partners in pretty much all of the stuff that they've worked on. So cool. Very fun cool. fact. Is is American Dad just like the less shitty family guy? Is is that kind of the the take on things? I don't I don't think I've ever really watched that much American Dad that I can remember. And the more that we've brought up Family Guy on this uh show, the more I can't really remember much of that series either i just like think it's all kind of faded into like a gray area of early 2000s comedy (laughs) yeah no i'll i'll dump on family guy all day i've seen an episode like pop up here and there like if i'm uh at my mom's place and cable tv is the only thing i have access to like if i fall asleep with adult swim on uh and i wake up in a sweaty fever because i just hear peter griffin's gross laugh um i was gonna try to do it but then i just i there was a thought in the back of my head that was probably right it was like you know what nobody wants to hear that (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i don't know i don't think it ages well but we 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 can make another podcast to shit on family guy um so we're ready to dive into the episode bud yeah man Cool. Take it away. So uh, the opposite, uh, the episode opens with uh, Bobby's birthday party, uh, and Bobby did not invite uh, his grandpa Cotton Hill. Uh, well, he tried to. Uh, he addressed the invitation to Hell USA, uh, and his justification for it was uh, Peggy had told him that Cotton is the devil. Um, well, she told him that cotton was evil. Exactly. She had no idea where he got devil from, <laughs> but my fit, I just love the line at the beginning, um, with cotton Hill, hell USA, you know, your grandpa lives in Houston. Like <laughs> just like Hank totally missing the, uh, the implication of it from the beginning or the beginning is too. Funny. Yeah. And yeah. then the fact that they were only hanging up deflated balloons for his birthday. Yeah. That's pretty funny too. I, I didn't even pick <laughs> up on that. Like I, I think I registered that the balloons were deflated, but like, I don't, it's, it's just not something I like thought too long about, but yeah, that is, that is pretty funny. Um, so Bobby also attempts to fake dial his his grandpa, uh, but he only hits it three times. And, and Hank's just like, "Son, if you're gonna if you're gonna fake dial, you you gotta hit it more than three times. You gotta hit more than three numbers." Yeah, I know. Yeah. I totally. That was one of those jokes that rewatching this episode, I totally forgot about. And I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> so. Uh, we we next get a glimpse of uh, Bobby's uh, birthday party, and I think this is like the first time we see like, you know, there there are little sprinkles of it earlier in the season, but like we truly know that like Bobby wants to be a comedian now. You know, we we see Bobby's first bits and and stand up, and he's he's trying to do some jokes at his party. Um, 
and he and he's, is he's flopping man he's, yeah he's uh, bombing super hard he's he's doing the orangey glad i didn't say a banana joke that's that's no good uh and he that was pr- out of date even back in 97 <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly that's, that's but, definitely um, off a popsicle I'm... stick <laughs> yeah for sure one of my favorite parts too is when it opens up um i think I believe it opens up in that scene with uh, Peggy and Min and uh, Nancy all together. And they're talking about Peggy being uh, angry that Cotton is there. And she like ruthlessly slams this coleslaw onto this plate. And I don't know why that stuck out to me and why I made such a all caps note about this. But I just wrote (laughs) Peggy slams slaw. And I'd. I just love the little tiny like animation um, details in this show because they always <laughs> add some weird like shit to it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, like, and a certain. I mean, I guess I don't have a huge frame of reference. I was obviously very, very young at this point, born in '96. But like, it does feel like they probably paved the way for like a lot of like adult animation moving forward, like the more realistic style. Uh, but like also just like some like weird hyperbolic actions like I don't know. That, oh, for that, sure. That, that that one like, you know, weird watermelon seed sequence from from the Willie's episode <laughs> still like has stuck with me. But um, oh, yeah. When he, yeah, that's it. They're in the style itself in this show just lends itself so much to having some like weird quirky shit happen like that. And it's it's funnier because it's almost they're trying to make it look realistic but then like stuff like that reminds you that it's, it's a cartoon and they can <laughs> just do whatever they want you know yeah and it, and it just looks super weird and almost like trippy kind of weird you know yeah for sure so um bobby approaches the gang who is uh man in the grill uh he he's letting his dad know that he's dying out there none of his jokes are working uh and he does his what are you talking about what are you talking about uh jewish man bit where he's got his pants pulled up i think that is uh i'm so glad you caught that because that was the (laughs) that's like the first time he does that bit in the show and i'm pretty sure i know he does it it comes back all throughout the uh the season finale but i'm sure he does it again later in the series but it's yeah too, too damn funny yeah yeah it very it's it's super funny um right but, after that we also get the uh, great boom howerism uh <laughs> fat people being funny and he's just like you know dangle john candy and dangle knife and fork dug their grave you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 it's it's uh that's a good one from boom power uh so hank is is prepping a steak for his dad um everyone else is is kind of trying to get it from him but he's like no it's for my dad and uh right after that cotton rides up on a well i guess he drives a trailer up but then he ends up riding out of the trailer on a horse into the party everyone's super excited um and it kind of adds a little bit of spice to uh to bobby dying uh on his on his stand-up routine yeah and the uh what's it called a good line in that is uh right when a cotton 
parks the horse. I don't know what you would call that. I'm not a horse person. But uh, Hank goes up and he's like, you old son of a gun. You really outdid it this time. And <laughs> Cotton goes, you know me. I'm larger than life. And then he gets <laughs> off the horse. But the only thing left of Cotton in frame when he gets off the horse is his hat. And it has to pan down so you can see him. And yeah, yeah. that is such a good... <laughs> good little shot of him this this episode has so many good lines that i was like having trouble keeping up writing them all so i'm I'm glad you caught that uh and i definitely giggled at it but like i was just like jotting things down the whole time um, oh yeah no that's uh because we totally recorded this at the same time as the intro um yeah i when <laughs> i was listening to this earlier today i uh what's it called I had to pause it so many times. It took me like almost twice as long to like yeah. watch and take notes for these two episodes specifically than like it usually does. Yeah. Um, so we, we just get a good sequence of everyone having fun at the party. Uh, Bill is kind of playing with the kids. And I, I think I got a pretty good line out of this one uh, where Bill is talking about how he's how he's having a good time. And, and do, uh, Dooley, the uh, deep voiced, weird kid with hair in his eyes, who's like kind of a recurring Your character. Your wife divorced you. <laughs> That's a good impression, <laughs> man. Uh, and it just kills Bill's mood. But it's. That's just like a classic example of like the deadpan Mike Judge humor. Uh, and, you know, that's that's kind of like, I don't know, just just signature in all of his work. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, just that. Exactly. That the mono literally probably Mike Judge as a teenager. Just <laughs> your wife divorced. <laughs> oh, my um, God. Yeah. The, the Dooley Dooley is just like boom or uh, Bobby's boom. Howard. <laughs> like yeah, but in a yeah, different exactly. style. Um, so we get the gift opening sequence of of the birthday, um, and I thought it was interesting here that uh, Cotton's actually able to recognize that Khan is uh, Laotian after you know the gang keeps calling Just him Japanese. Him up and down. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, little. I don't. I, I guess because he was he was in the war, so that's that's probably where that comes from. I don't. I don't really know what their intent was with that. But so uh, there there is one note I wanted to to call attention to how Cotton is continuously calling Peggy uh, Hank's wife. Hank's wife. Yeah. yeah, and he's he's just like super shitty and degrading to her. Um, kind of nonstop. I mean, like he's he's pretty much. We'll see. He's that way towards women throughout the episode. Yeah, um, but I mean, there there, you did bring up a good point that he is far more rude to Peggy in pretty much the entire series than almost any other person. Like Cotton, for some reason, just really has it out for Peggy. Yeah, and you know, it might be one of those like I I don't really quite understand the intent, um, but I I if I had to guess, it might be one of those things where it's like maybe his thoughts as a character are that she's not good enough for his son, sort of thing. I mean, like that that'll probably come up a little bit more outwardly as as we progress through the series. 
but yeah. I, I digress. Um, so Cotton ends out getting Bobby a shotgun for his birthday, uh, which which Peggy is is very unhappy about. She uh, grabs it from him and, you know, kind of lectures uh, Cotton a little bit. Um, and we get the, the next sequence, which is just a pinata sequence. Cotton ends out, uh, well, Bobby can't knock the pinata open uh as you mentioned um and dale tries to cut a hole in it um but that's still not enough for bobby to get it open so cotton blows it open um and what what was the line he says here was um so cotton cotton blows the uh the pinata to hell and then pretty much um peggy understandably gets very upset and about him giving uh, her son a sh- loaded shotgun for his 12th birthday, I think. And his comeback is just, uh, well, you wouldn't give a kid toy uh, toy without batteries, would you? Um, and that is the most like middle Texas ideology <laughs> or just logic that I've ever heard. It's like, yeah, it's it, you know, like you're going to give a kid a gun. You got to put shells in it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, just the the point I was making, like, uh, I I do as as shitty as Cotton is as a character, it does feel like he has he's like very quick on his feet with these responses. Um, I I have he, difficulty parsing like because like I was saying at the beginning of the episode, there are sequences he has that are genuinely funny, and like sometimes he says things that aren't shitty. And it's funny. And then he says things that are shitty and it is funny. But I think when he does that, it's usually funny because it's like the same. How shitty it is. Exactly. It's it's not necessarily that the shitty thing is funny. It's that like, wow, he's such a piece of shit calling Hank's. uh, You know, calling Peggy Hank's wife. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Calling Hank's wife, Hank's wife. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But all right, so um, let's see. The next note I have is, I guess, um, after the pinata sequence, they're getting ready to have a uh, cotton and um, God, what's Cotton's wife name again? Dee Dee. Dee Dee. Yes, we get an introduction to Dee Dee as well, um, who went to kindergarten with Hank yeah. and is now his stepmom. But so the next part, Cotton. Um, and Didi are about to leave and their car will not start. And Cotton is just like, all right, well, we're staying here tonight. Yeah. And, and I like how Luann is like specifically like, oh, this, this very specific part sounds like it's missing, you know? Yeah. It just, uh, it shows Luann. I literally have a note about that. It's just the first time in a long string of different parts in the series where Luann is going to show her automotive prowess and uh just that that trailer trailer uh park lifestyle um and life skills coming through not that if you are a mechanic or have any automotive skills you're necessarily from a trailer park because i don't understand that shit at all and i need you to fix my truck at some point so (laughs) it's valuable information um but 
<laughs> I also have a note that I think it's it's really funny that throughout the series too, Cotton always refers to Hank working at a gas station. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh so Cotton gets gets stuck at the Hills house because his car won't start. Uh we get the next sequence, which uh is uh the Hills plus Cotton and Dee Dee having breakfast. Uh, this this whole line of dialogue is uh, extremely funny because uh, you know Cotton pulls Bobby over to the table. He was he was doing nice or he was being nice and helping his mom with dishes. Uh, and actually, no, this is not the breakfast sequence. This is the post uh, party dishwashing sequence. Yeah. And uh, he he sits Bobby down. He's like, Bobby, what do you want to do with your life? And Bobby explains how he wants to be a prop comic and how he's got this great bit where, bit where he uh, sticks peas up his nose. Uh, and Hank walks in at this moment and basically Cotton goes, uh, we've decided what Bobby's going to do with his life. He's going to stick vegetables up his nose. Can't take over the family gas station. And uh, <laughs> I just... I don't know. I I laughed pretty loud at that. I, I I thought that was maybe my favorite line in the whole uh, in the whole episode. Yeah, the, and it kind of goes back to what you were saying about Cotton in general. It's just like he's the the gold from his lines come from the fact that like he's so disrespectful to Hank and Peggy and the adults and society around him, but. Pretty much until like I think like the third or fourth season, you don't ever see Cotton do anything but spoil the shit out of. Yeah, Bobby. he's he's got a soft spot for Bobby, and it's almost like maybe, you know, I don't know if this is over analysis or not, but maybe he feels bad about being shitty to Hank, like raising him and stuff. Uh, yeah, so he's I mean, a little softer on Bobby, but good take, hot hot take, hot take. <laughs> okay um <laughs> so next we get the breakfast sequence after they've spent the whole night at at the hills house um the so, only note i have from this scene is just that i wish luann had like punched cotton in the face that would have been so satisfying yeah yeah so cotton is being like extra shitty at the breakfast table uh peggy has prepared this this beautiful spread of uh steak and like uh, i think some sort of like corn grits eggs uh, bacon yeah a, a bunch of things and uh cotton is freaking out over not having any sausage uh and peggy basically says i can't do sausage i gotta go to work you know she blows him off and cotton's line is just like see what happens bobby uh when woman works man loses his sausage and it's just like again you know so uncomfortable like yeah yeah yeah. it's it's even if you do find that sequence funny i do feel like it is stemming from like a like holy crap this guy is like absolutely mad and like even for 97 like way you know behind his yeah and i and it kind of just goes back to the uh cotton being a heel for hank you know just because like hank respects the fuck out of his father like most men want to or most people want to but it's through the series you kind of finally or like slowly learn like hank is 
way more at odds with his father and kind of happy about it in the back of his head that yeah. he's not like his dad. <laughs> and it's it's going to become more prevalent as the series goes on and we have Cotton kind of recurring more and more in the series. Um, yeah, of course. So, um, like you were saying, Cotton is very shitty to Luann, smacks her ass when she walks away. Uh, and she basically, you know, chews him out for it. And even, even like his response is like very quick on his feet. But again, it's also very shitty to the point where I don't even particularly want to repeat it. So, yeah. um, Cotton offers to take Bobby to school while Hank fixes his, uh, car. Um, so Cotton actually ends up just taking Bobby to a bar and kind of teaching him his like shitty misogynistic ways. He is like slapping, you know, girls butts way- and yeah, yeah, just, just not very, not being a good person really not even being the bare minimum of a person really, really being no. like less than a person. Yeah. A hundred percent. Just being a piece of shit. But I do want to point out that there are, and this just comes from my idiot savant knowledge of King of the Hill. Um, they reuse that shot from the bar of them sit. Cause it, through the series, cotton takes Bobby to the bar like five or six times. Um, like pretty much every time he stays with the Hills, Bobby ends up at the bar with Cotton. They use that exact same shot, like animation cell of them from the back and them sitting at the bar with the root beer bottles and the Alamo beer bottles on either side of them. And I never noticed it until I was rewatching it for this episode, but they use the exact same animation cell and it's really funny. That's a super interesting note. I, I have never picked up on that, but I'm definitely going to be on the lookout for it in future episodes. Yeah. Cotton Bobby bar scenes, baby. Say that. Nice. Fast. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the next sequence we get is Luann and the gang working on the car. Uh, Luann comes out from underneath the car. She's covered in grease, but she is actually the one who fixed it. Um, and the gang is kind of reminiscing over, how uh, Cotton does a good job taking care of his cars, I guess. And they have a sequence where, um, you know, they're like, oh, you remember the Hotel Arlen? Uh, where Cotton takes the whole gang out to Hotel Arlen after their big, I guess, high school football win. Uh, and he offers to buy them prostitutes. And Hank being the uh, overly prude modest guy he is uh just completely literally runs from the situation yeah and this is one of my favorite probably my favorite line from this episode is right after the uh the flashback hank is like not every dad would do something like that to his son i mean for his son yeah it's like you can see in that like line like hank was traumatized by that shit like (laughs) Totally. Yeah. And it's like, he's not even aware of it. It's like almost like a, a subconscious, uh, goes back to Luann's saga. Just push it down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, uh, cotton and Bobby are sitting on the couch. They are both pantsless. It is revealed to, uh, the Hills that Bobby is not in school and is in fact hanging out pantsless with cotton with uh, his grandpa. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just being a, a 
total piece of shit. Yeah. Um, and I forget exactly what happens. Oh, yeah. No, Cotton says he's going to eat the living room watching TV. And Bobby says the same. There, there is one Man. good line here. I, I don't want to. I don't want to miss. I don't. No, I don't, go for it. Go for it. I don't exactly remember the exact wording, but uh, basically, they're they're chilling in their pants, and Hank is like, "Why are you guys not wearing pants?" And he's like, "It was hot. You know, men don't wear pants. Uh, Hank, take your pants off." Uh, and I just thought it was a, a very funny sequence to have. Uh, Cotton yelling at Hank to take his pants off. Um, Go on, boy, take your pants off. Yeah, exactly. But uh, what's it called? And right after that, um, pants or no pants exchange, we get uh, Peggy coming in and telling Bobby that he's going to eat in the kitchen like they always do. And he says no and then slaps his own mother's ass and tells her to go get his dinner which is kind of like the culmination of if i saw it like a son of mine doing that uh like oh oof that would that's like the most disrespectful ass shit yeah yeah no i've definitely seen this pornhub video um it doesn't it doesn't end well (laughs) No, <laughs> Justin. No, <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't hold back. It's okay. But, um, oh, <laughs> uh, what's it called? So, anyways, it cuts. It, it cuts the Hank um, throwing Bobby in his room and being like, "I don't know where you got the idea that you could slap your mother's behind, but stay in your room." And then Peggy, of course, like got the idea from your father hank and the only note i really have until bobby's sexist riot is that uh hank is a total spineless fucking pushover yeah yeah hank hank is just so consistently uh dismissive of cotton's shittiness i just think he i think he says uh something along the lines of uh well that's just cowboy talk yeah nah dude like you're covering up for your shitty that pretty pretty much every sequence where cotton has been nasty to peggy uh peggy brings it up with hank and then he exactly he says it's just cowboy talk it's just cotton peacocking it's just he comes from a different time like he's just constantly excusing it um you're more like a pea hen oh my god i totally forgot about the peacock uh, yeah and this this also might be over analysis but I was thinking that maybe uh, that could be coming from a place of like, you know, him being kind of insecure over his own sense of masculinity. Um, well, yeah, he's got no shims, man. He probably feels like a quarter. Oh, no, I meant Hank. Like Hank is oh. dismissive because he is like he's, you know, he, he sees his father as like this, this manly man, you know, coming from a different cowboy peacocky time uh and the reason he's dismissive of it is because he's you know he's not that man yeah exactly i get what you're saying exactly okay hot the hottest of takes just pulling him out of the oven (laughs) but um so i believe the next scene is uh bobby's at school he's having lunch Um, yeah and him 
Amon Joseph. Um, he swipes the cake off of Connie's plate because he says she's getting fat, and then she just takes it back. He says some shitty shit to uh, Joseph, and then they go to leave to see a man about a horse, which I've never understood. It's really <laughs> that sick, but um, they go to leave to see a man about a horse, and their uh, teacher is like, "All right, Bobby, make sure you bust your uh, your plate." He's like, no, that's woman's work. And then immediately every kid starts chanting woman's work, woman's work. And my favorite part, probably my favorite part of this episode is uh, cuts over to Hank doing the uh, pros and cons list of uh, having his dad at their house. Yeah. Peggy calls him at work. And was like your bo- or, uh, <laughs> Bobby was sent home early from school for starting a sexist riot, and he's just like, "Whoa, I'm coming home right now!" And I, oh, fucking yeah, coming that's... from Peggy. That's just like that's exactly where Peggy wants to be in every episode. She is the queen of "I told you so." Yeah, totally. Um, I, there, there was one sequence I'm now realizing we missed where Peggy doesn't claim to be a feminist, but I, I do think she is like kind of like a feminist of a character. I mean, you know, the oh, show 100%. was released in 97. Uh, so maybe, you know, feminist was a bad word at the time. Uh, but, you know, she definitely represents pretty much everything that movement stands for. So, oh, 100 percent. She's always trying to be more independent of Hank than not you know what i mean yeah right um so uh cotton ends up being the one to actually pick bobby up from school uh and peggy and uh hank get word that cotton has taken him to hotel arlen and cotton is uh proud of of bobby so his line of thinking is he's going to get bobby a prostitute now uh, but the hotel has changed vastly from when Hank was, uh, you know, Bobby's age or even a little bit older than Bobby. Uh, and yeah, but keep in mind, Bobby is 12 fucking years old in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it's it's nasty. Like there there are aspects of I mean. There are whole ass parts of Cotton that are just like a outright disgusting human being. But he he does oh, act as a good, you know, like we've said consistently at this point, like as a good heel to Hank. Um, so um, Hank and Peggy approach Cotton in the hotel. And like I was saying, the hotel has changed. It is not a like, you know, basically uh, brothel. Yeah, exactly. It's no longer a brothel. It is now like a Marriott style thing where there is like some sort of like feminist lawyer convention happening, it would seem. Um, <laughs> yeah, just by the amount of pantsuits and early 90s haircuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot what the actual sign said. I, I thought it was like Women's uh, Associ- I didn't even Lawyers Association or something like that. Um, oh my God. So... Uh, Hank and Peggy address Cotton, and then we get this really uh, kind of heartwarming speech uh, where Hank finally stands up to Cotton about, you know, how 
Peggy's her own woman or, and like, he's, you know, proud to, to have married her and, and all this other really great stuff. And he kind of tells cotton off, um, you know, it, it took him long enough. It's one of those things where like, if he was an outright, you know, good dude, he would have caught that on, on the, on the first, uh, you know, shittiness of cotton, but you know, we, there had to be an episode, right? So yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, and then Cotton storms off feeling kind of emotional. And then he's like, well, it's about goddamn time, boy. You started or you stopped loving your father. Yeah. And then he storms off with a uh, a promise that he will be back in the most misogynistic way you could possibly think of in that hotel. Um, and uh, it says that he will be staying at the Hills house and Hank looks super embarrassed, and then the uh, the episode ends. Correct. That is correct. Yeah. Uh, well, we right. we get a little bit of of Hank lecturing Bobby about how, um, you know, not really any sort of progressive take at all, but women were not put on this earth to serve men. He was basically setting Bobby straight because because yeah. Bobby was getting some pretty bad ideals put in him. Meanwhile. Um, the kind of irony of, of the joke that they're laying out for the credit sequence is they're at like a Hooters style uh, ice cream place where there are literally like, you know, scantily clad women yeah. are uh, rollerblading their milkshakes to them. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But so, again, just that, that's, you know, that is a classic Mike judge kind of joke there at the end where uh, he is kind of maybe putting a little bit of a mirror up to, uh, folks in that community who who might have those beliefs right yeah for sure and um i think it kind of shows at the end when hank and bobby are having that heart to heart that hank really does want bobby to be a good kid and he really cares about his son and everything like that i think that's kind of like you said kind of a mirror to his own childhood where he kind of pretends to respect cotton but at the end of the day he knows cotton was like kind of shitty dad and uh he wants to be better Better. yeah but exactly so now that we are done with the entrance of cotton hill we are on to what might be in my top three favorite episodes of this entire series wow dude episode nine season one peggy the boggle champ yeah i have this written in all caps (laughs) oh my god this is so not to like gush too much for too long but back in the day i'm sure people know there was a thing it was called youtube poop it was awful i still make myself watch it once a year for nostalgia's sake but there was one video called Hank of the Hill. And if you look it up on YouTube, it is a fever dream of video editing from the mid 2010s. But between watching this episode, how it's intended so many times and watching that video of just like chopped up, super edited version of this episode, I can almost like recall every line of it without <laughs> thinking about it too hard. Oh, that's good. You'll be a good resource for this uh, sequence. Cause I think my notes are messier for this one. 
Um, are we? Are do you want to dive into the production stuff on this one? Yeah, sure. So um, it first aired uh, April thirteenth, uh, nineteen ninety seven. It was directed by uh, Chuck Sheets, who was up until this point worked on The Simpsons for quite a while, directing and writing, and then also um, was the main director for a childhood classic of mine, Recess. Um, and then it was written by the same two characters who wrote Westy Side Story, or characters, writers, Jesus, uh, John Abel and Glenn Berger, who wrote Westy Side Story and were known for their Kung Fu fan, Kung Fu Panda, jeez, uh, <laughs> fame later on. But yeah, so there's not much going on that's super crazy in the production side of this. Okay, uh, all right. So we get the opening of the episode with uh, the girls of the Alley Gang playing Boggle. Um, we've got Min, Nancy, and Peg at the table, and Peg is just absolutely whipping their ass. Um, and Boggle. Yeah, yeah, Boggle. Um, so Dale it makes some sort of shitty misogynistic comment. Uh, comment about Nancy playing Boggle uh, when they get interrupted by this like the Dallas Mower Expo be there rare rare <laughs> hedgers and clippers and hedges and clippers and 10,000 oil paintings be there <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly sorry. which is just no it's, I, it's, I told you I absolutely adore this whole episode <laughs> yeah and it's it's so weird to see that because like obviously like that's hyperbole but like there there were commercials like that at the time like it's it's oh yeah i mean if you if you were a 90s kid or like an early 2000s kid you and you grew up in kind of a smallish town or you just had local cable access I'm sure you remember some sort of ridiculous monster truck commercial or like <laughs> the, being in Florida X summer X games. Come see the motocross champion, Travis Pestrana go up against da 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 whoever. But like, I feel like everybody talked like they were on cocaine in early nineties television. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No. And that is just like such a, like, I don't know. It's a cornerstone of, of that era just from like <laughs> a, a cultural perspective. It's, it's interesting to, I don't know, see it in media from the time. Right. For so sure. the, the guys see this commercial for the mower expo and straight up their jaws are like left open. Like they're, they're hyped on the mower expo. They're drooling. Yeah, literally. Um, so we have the girls like, you know, leaving their their boggle sequence uh well actually uh luann does have a pretty good line here she's like uh she she just lost pretty hardcore in boggle and she's like all the words i don't know could could fill a dictionary <laughs> uh I, at least i thought it was funny um, oh yeah for sure and and uh you know the girls are walking out min basically makes a threat about uh mahjong and how she could be peggy's ass in it um bring your checkbook next time yeah yeah exactly 
So uh, Peggy actually ends out entering a, a actual Boggle tournament and kind of same deal. She like absolutely wipes the floor uh, at the tournament. Um, there's a really great comment from Dale as well. Uh, and it's it's one of those situations where like Dale is the backboard of the joke, which I thought was, was kind of interesting where uh, she wins and Dale goes... That's why they call her your better half. And Hank just goes, who says that? <laughs> and then Dale's just like, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I, this is kind of like, I, I, again, I hope not over analysis, but I guess that's what we do here, right? So this is kind of Hank's first initial like reaction to Peggy's success. And it kind of, in you know, my apologies if I'm stealing... Uh, my, my good friend Casey sent me his notes on this episode prior to me even watching it. So I'm, I'm wondering if he implanted this idea in my head, but um, Hank's initial reaction to Peggy's success might be like his masculinity being threatened a little bit. Uh, and this is kind of a recurring theme throughout the episode. Um, oh yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Because it, yeah, they win that um, or Peggy wins that tournament at the Elks club. And I believe the next, uh, what's called the next sequence is them getting home and her putting up the Boggle trophy on Hank's uh, trophy shelf and him looking all weird because the bo- Bobby mentions that the Boggle trophy is bigger than any of his high school football trophies. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's just him constantly like, you know, maybe being fighting back against that yeah yeah he's insecure but he doesn't ever not only is he not admitted i don't even think he realizes it right yeah so and, um i believe right after that is when they're putting up the uh the trophy and peggy explains to him that she qualified for the dallas uh or the texas state boggle championship um and just an animation note on that. As soon as she mentions it, a little tiny dude riding a lawnmower goes across the reflection of Hank's glasses and you just hear Sunday. <laughs> and I think that's such a good callback to the, the commercial at the beginning of the episode. But yeah, yeah, totally. Where where I left off, we were having some technical difficulties with my recording uh, shutting on and off. So if this sounds a little discombobulated... I apologize. So we're doing our best. (laughs) It's all we can do. Um, So the uh, basically Hank explains that, uh, you know, he, he has devised this plan to get Peggy off of his back and go to the mower show to the gang. Uh, He's going to be able to be in Dallas when the mower show is happening. Um, And he just had to find some like silly boggle tournament for her to play in. Uh, and I like how he even like takes credit for that, right? Um, yeah, not to not to derail it too much, but I did forget to mention that in the last episode when they were talking about, um, or when Peggy finds the solenoid that Cotton had hidden in his clothes. Uh, Hank is like, well, I spent all day fixing that car, and it was Luann who fixed the car. Like, yeah, yeah. Hank has a 
tendency to do that sometimes, you know, talking to the gang to fluff his peacock feathers up a little bit <laughs> when he can. But, you know. Yeah, most definitely he does. Um, we digress. So, um, Hank wakes up crazy early to get uh, Peggy in into Dallas in time. Um, and we get this kind of uh, wholesome sequence of, of men and Nancy uh, giving Peggy the the team jacket for Arlen to, to rep at States. The uh, Arlen Boggle Boosters is what they, they called it. And they got some like local businesses to sponsor it. To sponsor it. Yeah. And it's just like this like jacket covered in patches. It looks like a, a varsity jacket or something like that. I would actually oh, yeah. kill for an Arlen Boggle Boosters uh, varsity jacket if someone wants to put that together. That would be a crazy limited release. <laughs> that would be super fucking cool. Especially if it had the big Mr. Lube uh, <laughs> patch on the back of it. Yeah, yeah, totally. But the next the next uh, the next scene is actually them driving to Dallas and the only reason i really wanted to mention this is right before they agree to, or hank agrees to it he's like dallas the only good th- or the only things in dallas are crackheads and debutantes and as soon as they get that welcome to dallas sign you see uh hank rolling up the windows and locking the doors <laughs> and <laughs> as someone who's Spent some time time in Dallas. It's not that bad, not at all. Hank's just kind of kind of being a little worry wart man. He's not used to the big city life. No, Hank Hank is not a fan of cities. We know that. Um, yeah. There there is one line that we that we did miss that is important to the episode that uh, Peggy and Hank basically tell. I think it's even Peggy specifically tell. Bobby and Luann, just make sure you don't throw any parties. Uh, and and we get the Bobby and Luann kind of side quest after they arrive in Dallas. Uh, and we get the opening piano line from the classic uh, Risky Business scene. Uh, and Bobby is like sliding out and, you know, do, doing his thing. It's, uh, you know, obviously a reference to Risky Business. And, yeah, and then they're both explaining or end up explaining that neither of them are trying to relax or be like, yo, we've got the house to ourselves this weekend. Luann is watching an edited version of Risky Business or uh, Dirty Dancing or something. Yep. And Bobby's excuse is that he was just doing laundry and that's why he wasn't. Wearing yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's that's but, where the, the piano line comes from is the Risky Business. But she's also yeah. watching Chuck Mangione safety videos. Which, yeah, unplugging the iron feels so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I love that Chuck Mangione, and we'll we'll see in later episodes is is a recurring character. He's 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 definitely in one of my top three episodes. Uh, that's a. I was gonna say that that might be a. Email us at uh, ityhpod at gmail if you have an opinion on this but i was thinking we could eventually do a uh a chuck mangione special episode where we just go off of some uh 
some deep dives into his episodes that he <laughs> appear actually appears in. Yeah, yeah, it'll be fun. Um, so uh, basically, we get Hank and Peg at the hotel. They're like pretty in awe of how it looks. Uh, and this Midwestern woman, Joan, uh, greets them. She's like, I guess, the uh, equivalent of a tournament organizer uh, for Boggle. Uh, she hooks them up with some Boggle swag. And again, I'm going to be stealing my boy Casey's note here, but like it is just the most demasculating thing when uh, Peggy introduces Hank as her coach. And he, Hank is just given like this pink shirt that like poorly fits him. And it's just like these really like corny like Boggle letters on it, like coach. And, you know, you can tell he is like, really deflated from it right yeah and just the the voice acting whoever did that the the tournament organizers you want a wallet you sure like you could look like you could use a wallet yeah (laughs) harley davidson already made me one you know yeah yeah (laughs) yeah so so dumb it's so good but um believe after that we hit um, Hank trying to check in for the hotel, correct, and starts getting real, real upset that they're calling him uh, Mr. Peggy Hill instead of uh, Mr. Hank Hill because she married or she married me. I didn't marry her. Yes. So we do have the Hank meltdown. But right before that, we do have the sequence of Bobby not using a coaster. Uh, and he creates a stain on the coffee table, uh, which obviously in the Hill household is totally unacceptable. Uh, and Luann and Bobby began to have like a minor panic attack over it right before, you know, like you were saying, Hank has a meltdown. If I'm, we might be getting this timeline wrong a little bit, but I believe it just keeps going back and forth on yeah. the scenes. Like, yeah. so the next, the next scene is, uh, Bobby and Luann had gone to the hardware store and gotten some uh, some varnish and everything to uh, <laughs> try to fix the stain. And one of my favorite lines from this episode is <laughs> the guy at the hardware stole, store told me we'd be fine as long as we strip, varnish, buff, wax, varnish, buff, wax, and then knocks yeah. over <laughs> the varnish onto the carpet, <laughs> saves it, and then they drop one single drop of varnish onto the carpet and scream it's so like it's like this is the the chef's kiss king of the hill um timing and slapstick humor yeah like it's not so it's not so dumb that it's beavis and butthead type shit but like the timing and the blit or like dryness of all of it is so good. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's one of those things like this is slapstick for King of the Hill. But like relatively speaking, we're talking jokes about one drop of varnish falling on a piece of carpet, which is just like yeah. with no context for the episode. It's like, how could you make that funny? But and I think I think that is one of those like a. Uh, things that's like overall like a huge compliment to the actual series is that we're what nine episodes in and they have established enough of a character like background for the hill household that 
that would be funny. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, totally. And, and, you know, maybe we're a little biased cause we've already seen the entire series, but you, you can tell they had like a vision at the very least. Like that's, that is the least you could say yeah, about this. 100%. So like absolutely kudos to the writing team. Um, so in in dropping this varnish they actually also end up breaking an electrical outlet because they try like blasting a vacuum over it vacuum over it yeah Yeah. which you know uh basically you know any sort of minor electrical failure or stain in the little household is like maybe one of the most offensive things you could do um yeah you might you might as well just bust a hole in their wall at that point you know exactly so uh, we get back to the hotel with uh, Peg at her Boggle Championship, uh, and she is going up against her nemesis in round one, Sissy Cobb, who is just like this like stuck up nasty woman, um, and she just like ha 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 her fucking laugh is yeah so yeah, um, she like absolutely like just destroys peggy it kind of demoralizes her quite a bit um and then i like the kind of juxtaposition here of we get peg versus her nemesis but also we have hank up against uh uh the sissy's yeah exactly sissy Cobb's coach um and he's like you know closely studying the boggle thing but meanwhile hank is is looking at the uh (laughs) at the mower um the the mower expo like i guess brochure and he's like huh for 750 i can ride the mower that cut the grassy knoll <laughs> yeah and i think another really good um just like kind of texas inside joke that they had in here is um <laughs> when sissy's husband or coach or i, I think they i don't know but um is like said so, is saying something about um Hank's tags being uh, Peggy or Mr. Peggy Hill. He says something along the lines of, uh, well, even the Duke John Wayne's real name was Marion and te- or, uh, Hank Hill's just like, take that back. Because <laughs> in that generation of Texas men, John Wayne was super idolized, but uh, John Wayne was also a fucking Nazi. So, I'm going to just put that out there. John Wayne deserves no respect from you, Hank. You're better than that. Dude, I don't even know who John Wayne is. I'm a little embarrassed to admit. Good. That's fine. <laughs> I'll, I'll die on that hill. We can get emails for it. All right. Send cool. me an email. Tell me that. Defend John Wayne. Yeah. I don't know, man. <laughs> Fucking kill your local Nazi or whatever. Um <laughs> So, uh, like, like I was saying, Peggy loses pretty hard. Uh, she starts, well, she, she cries back at the hotel room. She is like, like I was saying, she's pretty demoralized from her first loss. I think it's kind of implied that she had like several losses on the first day, even though we don't see them because she's like placed so low, uh, after the first day of, of competing. Yeah. She's placed right above the, uh, boggle playing chicken. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is also like uh that's that's a little bit more straight up slapstick but also a a joke i found very funny oh Um, yeah so hank tries to or well he offers to pep her up the way his coach would pep him up when when they were down in a game 
uh, and he basically starts shouting at her and how she's a little crybaby loser. Uh, Want a big dirt bottle, you baby? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, in, in classic Hank fashion, he is just like completely socially inept and Tone like deaf. Yeah. yeah yeah really doesn't know how to play the situation um and it really just kind of exacerbates uh peggy feeling bad so we get the gang arriving at the hotel um and i i love bill's shirt in the sequence uh where it's just like <laughs> early aughts late 90s my other shirt is or my other car is uh a mower. yeah my other car is a mower I wrote that down to you. It's so good, man. And another part of this, um, this like little scene when the gang gets there, you know, Hank meets up with them and he's holding Peggy's purse. And Dale, of course, says something about him holding the purse and trying to make fun of him for it. And Boomhauer goes into it too, making the whoosh, like whip sound when Hank says yeah. he can't go. And Hank just gets all embarrassed and is like, I'm a little boy. God damn it. I'm going to go to this mower show. And the fact that they put the effort to animate Hank whipping or, or turning around real quick and whipping the purse around like a sassy, like a woman would, yeah. which just had me dying in that like a little like those little details in the show are really what gets me. It's so funny. Yeah, totally. I mean, like the in the purse thing is like you know maybe like the escalation of of the demasculization of Hank in this episode. You know, between the pink shirt, the 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 trophies, like it all like is just coming together with like him like literally carrying around his wife's purse, which like obviously we know there's there's nothing wrong with that, but like Hank being the insecure guy he is, like it's kind of like putting his masculinity in question. Um, but yeah, that Dale sequence, I was dying. The, the actual quote I have here, uh, is, uh, you know, you, you were excited like a little boy, uh, about that mower show the other day. So are you some kind of man or are you a little boy? <laughs> and Hank, <laughs> yeah. it, ends, it ends with Hank shouting. I'm a little boy. Uh, I'm a little boy. <laughs> very, very good sequence um so hank actually ends up going to the mower show uh and he immediately starts to feel guilty uh there's a toddler walking around with a child's toy mower um and he sees the little ogle letters uh flipping up and around um and he he sees like a timer dripping down for, for the you know eight thousand pounds of, of wood being chipped that they're they're showing off at the expo um and he's he's really starting to feel guilty about the whole situation yeah for sure um and i think that's it kind of shines through every time with hank like hank needs to be a stubborn idiot like we said in the the west side story episode like hank is kind of inherently a good person but he needs to like stubbornly try to play to the norms of how he needs to be in his head before he realizes like no this is uh fucking dumb yeah yeah i think so. the episodes <laughs> will get more nuanced than that but that's definitely like the formula they followed for a while um yeah but at the same time like we wouldn't have episodes if you know 
if Hank wasn't a stubborn, uh, you know, kind of jackass, so to speak, for, oh, yeah. for the first 20 minutes, right? For so, sure. And I think that, um, what's it called? Right before we get to where uh, the next, like, kind of last arc in the story, one of my favorite things is when Hank feels guilty enough and he's like, you know what, I got to go be with Peggy. Um, Boomhauer is writing a virtual reality mower, <laughs> and he's he's like, "Some somebody move that dang old rock!" And then he sticks <laughs> his hand under the mower, and he's like, "Ah, I ain't got no fingers." And that is one of I could, like I said, I could probably quote this entire episode, but that is top tier King of the Hill gold right there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was uh, a sequence I wrote down as well that I I got it. There, this uh, an, another episode that just like has like more uh, to write down than I than I could ever write down. This this whole episode is like an absolute gem. Like I I can totally get why it's in your top three. Um, we also do get a sequence of uh, back at the Hill household where Bobby has an entire crew of contractors trying to fix the house because uh, they have like screwed up so many things at this point between the varnish on the floor, the electrical outlet, uh, some sort of, I, I, I guess maybe the electrical outlet burning like messed up some paint. Uh, and I do love the line of of Bobby freaking out over the paint that he sees a contractor carrying. He's just like, is that eggshell white that's supposed to be Swiss coffee? Swiss coffee. <laughs> um, it's too good, dude. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's just like, like you know, I, I've said this point like through the floor, I know. But like, that's just like chef's kiss, Mike Judge humor to me. Like that's that is. Oh, yeah like my favorite kind of joke just outright is, is something that is like as dry as a saltine. Um, so, uh, we have Peggy kind of climbing the ranks at the boggle tournament at the, in the, in the next sequence. Um, and she, she beats the boggle playing chicken. Uh, she, you know, actually kind of regains her composure a little bit. And then we have Peggy versus her nemesis, uh, Sissy Cobb in the finals. Um, but Hank isn't there to support her initially because in this sequence, we actually have the coaches, uh, sitting on the floor with, with, the competitors. Yeah. So and, uh, Peggy actually breaks her pencil, but. Actually, I think Hank tries or tries to go back to watch beforehand because Peggy loses one round. Then in the second round, Peggy breaks her pencil and then has to chew it sharp again, which I is one of my favorite just frames from this episode is coming up in a second. But that's when Hank comes back and to just another weird, stupid little detail. If you go back and watch. Um, when Hank runs in with his coach shirt on and runs into the little TV room where the other coaches were watching before, there is somebody else sitting in the Mr. Peggy Hill chair, which I feel like if Hank wasn't in a rush, he'd get very upset about. <laughs> I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah, that's funny. Um, so, uh, yeah, like you were saying, Peggy has to like literally chew her pencil to uh, sharpen it because she is on her last pencil uh, and it break 
it breaks again. I, I love the uh, the announcers here. We have like a Russian guy announcing, and like they're they're just taking something that is like Peggy uh, Hill is down to her last pencil. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're just taking something obviously not super serious, extremely uh, serious, and that's that's the whole bit here. Um, and her she loses her last pencil, but Hank is there to replace it. Um, right on time. Right on time. Um, and Peggy ends out uh, winning in a massive upset because she was down so many words before. Uh, and she wins with, I don't remember the exact word, but it, it was it was a very long uh, one. Acquaintanceship. Acquaintanceship, yes. <laughs> yes. And my favorite part, too, is I didn't really notice it until this part. And obviously, I'm probably going to say that a million times throughout this entire podcast series that I didn't realize it until this part. But if you go through the vocabulary of what Sissy is using throughout their like best two out of three match and then what Peggy's using, it's very like working class, like vocabulary on Peggy's side and then like the sort of snooty aristocratic like like old money vernacular of sissy Cobb, and like it's kind of funny that you like I just noticed that when I watched it this last time like the different words they were finding in the boggle board (laughs) yeah I didn't even pick up on that that's that's a good catch I, I I mean I obviously noticed you know Peggy's uh, word choice when when Hank left her sad abandonment man. Yeah, that sort of thing. But that's that's a little bit more hitting you over the head with it. But that's that's a good catch, dude. I I dig it. Yeah. And then uh, so Peggy wins. She's the fucking state champ of Boggle in Texas. A a giant. She's putting Arlen on the map. That's canon. And that is is totally canon. And then uh, what's it called? So um hank comes over and i think this is a funny callback to some episodes that we will see or it's like a call forward um because there are some episodes in the second season and the third season where kind of covers the gang being in the high school football team and everything but Hank walks up to Peggy and he's like, well, I'm going to do what the coach said he'd do if we ever won the big game. And then gives her a nice big long kiss. <laughs> and there are scenes where Bill Dotrieve kisses his high school football coach <laughs> later in the series. I completely and forgot I'm about that until now. <laughs> so glad. I'm so glad a couple of weeks ago I watched, I like totally skipped season two and three because i had seen them so many times and like the amount of call forwards from like or callbacks or whatever to season one in like the later series or seasons are so funny because they're all over yeah yeah totally (laughs) um so the last uh sequence i have is pank and uh hank and peg uh walking in uh, and the con he they walk in on the contractors uh, fixing up the house, and they immediately assume that Luann and Bobby didn't follow their instructions, and they're having a party, and they're yelling at them. How could you be so irresponsible? Uh, and the last uh, kind of line of dialogue we get is Hank yelling at a full grown bearded man to get out of his house. Uh, 
what were you thinking? Or call your parents. Yeah, no, no, no. What were you thinking? You've got school tomorrow. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> so good. Oh, man. Yeah, the, the ending jokes on these early episodes, they really do uh, hit pretty hard even even on the bad episodes like i i guess i forgot how how uh, funny the credit sequences were yeah i mean that's like the shining part of hang hank's unmentionable problem is the post credits little scene of him breaking the fourth wall and talking to the audience like he's an actor he's like I respect my body and I am <laughs> sorry if it offended any of you with my nudity. Yeah. And it's yeah. just like so good. And I'm so sorry that my Hank Hill accent is that bad. I'll try not to do it. You know, I've actually, yeah. I've gotten compliments on both of our, I think we both need to work on it, but I, we're <laughs> not the worst Hank Hill impersonators. This is this is true. I, I like to think my Boomhauer is pretty good. Yeah, I you do. You have a rock tail. solid Boomhauer. Uh, yeah, it's it's got a flow though. I I feel like anytime someone tells me to do an impersonation, like I can't do it on the spot. Yeah, I mean, uh, just Boomhauer. The reason I'm so good at doing his quotes are the fact that that's how my inner monologue is, and that's why I struggle <laughs> to not like trip over my words while we're doing this podcast is because I am thinking it's two sentences ahead and my mouth just cannot keep up. But <laughs> that's super funny. It's like those people who speak other languages, like they got to translate before they can actually talk. Yeah. Except for, I just know one language and I am not even proficient in that. So they've got a leg up on me. <laughs> Yeah, um, that's the story of the American education system uh, at work, right? There we go. There we go. All right, people. Well, we appreciate you taking some time to listen to this. Um, it's It's been a really fun episode, even with all the silly technical difficulties. Uh, I haven't cut it yet, but I sure do hope it comes together sounding nice. And if it doesn't, I apologize. Uh, definitely a lot of goofs on, on my end and technology issues on my end um yeah but we you got two two real juicy episodes out of us so I mean, yeah give give the man a break <laughs> he tries hard um, um do you have anything to say before i get into my final notes Those no things? no no hit me with them bro. all right cool now i was just gonna say um like we said in our first or second episode that we kind of wanted to shout out a couple people that friends of ours that are doing cool projects and stuff like that. Um, I just wanted to shout out my friend Adriana. She has a screen printing shop online and she has an Instagram called from line to line. And she's got some really cool sweaters and prints and stuff out there. Now little dog faces, cool shit. So highly recommend going over there and checking that out. Repeat that just so uh, everyone gets it burned into their brain. From line to line. All right. You heard it yep, here. From line to line. Her name's Adriana Jaramillo, and she's got some cool ass shit. Cool. And then uh, the only other one is if you want to see my cool shit that I do, I take photos and stuff. It's pretty cool. Um, you can check me out on Bury Me in Analog. Uh, on Instagram, 
bury me in analog and I actually just added some new images if you guys want to see some cool uh, neon lights from around Austin and Dallas Texas I actually just uploaded those uh, Texas centric images today graph was actually showing me this stuff uh, yesterday when when we recorded the intro for this episode because uh, if if you might not have picked up on our sarcasm, this this episode is pretty broken up. So, uh, but it, it is really interesting, cool stuff. Um, I, I was watching him edit it, and like, I don't think I was even even at my peak. I don't think I was as good of a uh, photographer as, as he is right now. He's absolutely crushing it with the film prints, and I'm, I'm super into it. Hell yeah, dude! I fucking love that. Thank you so much for saying that. It's super yeah, nice. dude. But. Yeah, if uh, any of you guys want to be want us to shout you out or um, anything like that, just email us or send me a direct message on our Instagram. We'll check out your shit, and doesn't matter if like it's something you're just starting out or something you've been doing for a while. Be more than happy to try to use this as a platform for spreading around cool shit that all of our friends or our listeners are doing. So yeah, totally. Links to all your stuff. Good stuff. Well, I'm going to roll into the credits then. Um, speaking of, of giving people, uh, uh, you know, proper credit. Thank you to uh, Arizona Landmine, as always, for letting us use their tune too high uh, for our intro and outro. Check out their stuff, ArizonaLandmine.Bandcamp.com. Check out their recent project, HoneyGold.Bandcamp.com two also great uh, artists or bands, whatever, however you want to refer to that stuff. Uh, you can reach out to us on Instagram at ityhpod. Uh, you can also shoot us an email at ityhpod at gmail.com. Graf, I don't know if you've been checking that. I I haven't. I should probably... Fuck, there. I thought you were checking it and shit. Maybe people are <laughs> So we'll 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 do a mailbox deep dive next episode. Uh so if you wanna if you wanna make sure you're read on the next episode, uh just make sure you you get it into us uh when whenever you're hearing this and uh you'll you'll definitely get read on the next episode. And anyone who uh might have written us in yeah. at this point we apologize we are not we're, always the most responsible we're, we're hitting yeah we're hitting stop recording both checking the email <laughs> right now so thank uh, you guys for listening to uh i tell you what with me and justin and y'all have a good one yep deuces guys Peace. love you bye
what's it called? Yeah, I just like between like streaming and then like doing this and like having a lot of people like who thought about doing a podcast in the past or whatever, like close friends of mine who are like, oh, well, you did it. Like now let me ask you a million questions that you don't know the answers to. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, there's like, I'm, this has been good for me creatively just to like have no, I agree thing to kind of, no, I'm glad you've been like, uh, keeping me accountable with it too. Cause like if I just kept on thinking about doing a podcast solo, I probably never would have done it, you know? Yeah. And I mean, it's been good for me too. Cause like shit, dude, like I knew all day today I was going to be doing this. So I could have gone into the studio and done some like actual work, but I was just, it was like super windy and fucking shitty outside all day today. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to get some breakfast, take a nap after I watched me lose money in AMC today. <laughs> and then, uh, what'd you buy? Him? And then, Oh, I mean, I, I don't, I've only lost like fucking 20 bucks. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Dude, I bought like 300, not- uh, 300 bucks worth the other day. So I'm down a little bit as well. But I bought it thirteen. Yeah, I'm true. Yeah, I think I bought it like I bought it on Friday. Okay. So it was it was like fourteen, I think. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, I think it's definitely not a big deal if I lose money. If anything, yeah. But um, anything to fuck there's the trust funds. Gonna, yeah, I think I think there's definitely going to be another spike, and I'm just going to sell off AMC. For the most part, and then just I might think about buying a full ass GameStop GameStop stock. I just but don't I'm not know. Sure. I guess I don't know what the long game is for that. You know what I mean? Like, That's what I was. I was trying to talk to a couple of my friends about it today, where like they were just like, you know, AMC wasn't the one; it was GameStop. And I'm just like, yeah, I, I understand like the symbolicness of or the symbolism of doing this right now, but it's kind of weird. The more I've thought about it being like, yeah, this is a financial revolution. And it's like, no, it's not like if anything, we're taking like one hedge fund that is going to lose an amount of money that is depressing to say pretty much a write off for them. You know what I mean? Well, the the hedge fund has had to file for bankruptcy. Um, it, like it has been like upwards of like billions that they've lost on the on the short squeeze. Yeah. Um, not that they're going to disappear from that. Like they're criminals. They no, they, yeah. they will find ways. All the same to, like, people. You yeah. Know. All the same people are gonna come straight back and then fucking uh, what's it called? Just be working under a different name. And yeah. that's what I was trying to talk to them about. Was like, you know, the the implications of this are great if everybody keeps doing it you know like which means if like a financial literacy has to like there has to be a baseline of it we yeah. can't just have everybody on reddit like brigading and, <laughs> certain stocks and, shit, and really know? what what's the end game there right because it's like then you just have like 
I don't know, a, a, a quote unquote more functional version of capitalism. But I, I would think that uh, unless you have 100 percent participation in this like kind of group manipulation by a situation like uh, you're you're still going to create haves and have nots. Right. So either oh, yeah. you are collectively having everyone in society participate in these group buys, in which case you are like literally like doing communism at that point right or like the more realistic situation only the people that are in the know participate make a bunch of money off yeah. of it and you're still like you know there's there's still the shitty class system we exist in right no i completely agree dude like it's that's what i was trying to tell them too like i i am 100 percent for everything that's going on right now but like we can't kid ourselves into thinking that like the whole economy is hinged on fucking GameStop. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. This is like a ripple in the ocean compared to like what should be being done. Exactly. And I'm just kind of apathetic to thinking that, you know, like a bunch of Redditors and shit can really change shitty redditors mind you like these these are not like yeah. people i would want to like hang out with you know <laughs> like <laughs> yeah um but i mean like the you know a, a sentiment i have heard echoed that i totally agree with is like hopefully like people understand like you know collective action works now uh i i, I would hope that that's the takeaway it probably won't be but you know guy can hope yeah no definitely that's exactly what i was thinking too it's like it'd be great if that was if this was something that could be sustainable but at the end of the day it's kind of like fuck yeah all right man you want to just fucking dive into it and uh, uh are, are, yeah. are you ready let me grab my notes real quick got caught up in the existential crisis that is existing in capitalism it's hard man it's real hard take action do we take action even though that action doesn't have an effect do i am i that lazy am i that apathetic <laughs> wait what no i'm i'm just fucking around <laughs> i was just saying like it's too late in the it's day like, to have me me thinking through that, dude. You gotta gotta lay it out more more plain and clear. Nah, all of the best philosophers talking contrived in convoluted ways. That's <laughs> why people think about them for years and years. But uh, all right, I got my my note. Um, I got my setup all set up, so. I guess I'm following your lead as usual. Do uh, like yeah. I said yeah, yeah. last time, do the intro. You introduce, do the production notes, and then go from there. You got it. Um, 